there's no way around the fact that if you want to perform optimally over the long term, you need a base of well-being. Mm. And often I found that well-being and performance were treated separately or often short-term performance goals were um, being prioritized at the expense of well-being. It was almost like it wasn't either or, mm. but that as I dug into the research really turned out to be a false um, dichotomy that it's, it's not well-being or performance. It's really, if you want to get the best out of yourself over the long term, you want to thrive in life, then a base of, of what I call deep well-being is what's required for that. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Welcome back. Or if it's your first time, welcome to What's Right Within. Rory, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, it's exciting to be doing this episode. We have some really fun and interesting things to talk about, revolutionary things to talk about. Um, but first, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. What's yeah. been happening? Um, I've just got back into some running with you. Yeah. Um, we had some time in New Zealand, which was amazing to see family. Um, so it's been a bit of a shock to the system coming back to your running training. <laughs> um, but outside of that, um, we just popped the app on the app store, the innate app. Great. So that's a big, big day. Um, finally we're, we're live we're on there. So, um, that's just on the iPhone iOS app store. So, um, excited about that. Yeah. So good. So good. And, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, your holiday back home how was it seeing your your extended family for the first time in two years two plus years yeah um I think as anyone listening um has experienced the last couple of years have been particularly challenging um in so many ways and and that's sort of part of what we want to talk about today but um it was so refreshing to get back there and, and see everyone and Kind of pick up where we left off and uh, introduce our son Oakley to them, so who's good. now one. Um, so yeah, it was it was amazing. But um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am uh, back from Japan again for the second time. That was fun. Did a half marathon there, and um, yeah, recovered from Nagoya Marathon and. Uh, hopefully the uh, Commonwealth Games team will be selected soon and I'm um, hoping to be on that team and yeah training will start uh, the build-up for the marathon will start again in a couple of weeks and yeah got a couple of fun road races lined up just in Australia before then and um, but yeah love mercy we're doing our mother run for the month of may uh it's our third year doing the mother run in the month of may it's five kilometers a day of of whatever movement um you like to do and we've had 125 um, participants sign up for that and um be fundraising for the christina health clinic um and within that is a, a maternity ward and specifically we're raising money for the for safe births for mums and bubs in, in this part of Uganda and um, standing alongside our, our medical team at the Christina Health Clinic. And um, 
yeah, just hopefully providing the needs um, so that, you know, we can reduce and or we can give access to um, safe births um, in this yeah. part of the world. So, yeah, it's, um, it's exciting. We're encouraging people to get on board. And if you know anyone doing it or you want to sponsor me to do it, um, I don't normally run every day, so I'm going to be I'm going to be probably walking the 5k on my on my rest day. Yeah. We're doing a lifticle, which will be fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to um, have a huge impact. Um, and yeah, grateful for everyone's efforts for that. So if you're doing the mother run, thank you, and um, keep going. And um, yeah, fully grateful. Awesome, and um, it's great to be on your team for that. Yeah. Um, Hannah, my wife is doing it too. I think she's, she's killing it. Absolutely um, well ahead in the fundraising she compared is. to me. And she's doing like seven and a half K as yeah. well a yeah, day. She's rounding it Not up. even five. She's complete overachiever. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Love so, that. Uh, no, that's that's such a, a great cause and great initiative. Um, and so it's not too late to get involved, right? Even though we're no. In no, you can still get involved. Um, you can still sign up and register and just do it for the rest of May. Um, that'd be awesome. Or you can sponsor anyone that you know um, or any of us that are doing it and, um, yeah, be part of the change. Um, you know, there's so many, I feel like there's so many injustices in the world and, you know, there's not, there's not we can't do everything about every one of them, um, but there's some things that we can that we can do something about and this is something and mm. this is something that's close to my heart I've been to Uganda obviously a bunch of times and we have friends there and um yeah just to be able to um help strengthen the um yeah the cause of and the goals of of our Ugandan team at the clinic mm. um is an absolute privilege so yeah yeah well I know um with a one-year-old and having seen Hannah, Hannah goes through that that journey of pregnancy and um, I just can't imagine not having the access mm. to the professional and technical, you know, support, like yeah. ultrasound, you know, to yeah. be able to um, know, you know, how the baby's developing and whether there's one or two or three in there, or, yeah. you know, like um, yeah. it's so, so important, something that is easy to take for granted. Totally. And it, it is one of our goals this year to raise enough money to, to have an ultrasound technician um, come in and work with um, the prenatal patients that um, they come in, the pregnant women that come in for their prenatal appointments and um, be able to assess them with ultrasound and let them know if they're having multiple births and, you know, if there's any other complications that they might um, need more monitoring for before the birth of their baby. It's so important to be able to strategize ahead of time, obviously, um, before the big day happens, before they go into labor and um, all of that prenatal care is so crucial to um, the ultimate health outcomes of the baby and the mom. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're trying to, trying to help improve. So um, $40,000 was the ultimate goal for the mother round, but we're going to lift that to 60 nice. and um, yeah, so that we can get that, that ultrasound technician and um, yeah, be really great. Cool. And how can people follow along? Lovemercyfoundation.org um, and just Love Mercy Foundation on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, come check it out and um, follow along and, and see the impact for yourself. Awesome. And um, 
what a great way to get physically fit, fit and active <laughs> and, and yeah. moving each day, right? Yeah. So many people have said that actually, like it's just such an incentive to, you know, um, to, to get out the door and especially as the months get colder in Australia, like we don't have a true winter, but it's still like, you know, when it starts to get a bit cold and rainy, it gets, you know, yeah. less and less um, motivating to get out the door. But doing something like this, I think it really kicks you off on a good start into winter. And, um, you know, it's obviously straight after Easter. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for people to, to get into a routine of just exercising every day and getting fresh air. And I think, um, you know, as well as having, you know, potentially a life-changing impact in Uganda it's having an impact on your own health and well-being as well yeah absolutely and I think that's sort of a um a theme that we'll cover today around uh, as we talk around well-being but the just making time for yourself yeah you say. like you know it can be hard for people to feel like it's okay to prioritize going out for half an hour or an hour to mm. to invest in their health and you know that's something that I think we should never have to try to justify you know it is um so worth prioritizing yeah yeah totally yeah as you say we're um let's get into it we're going to talk about deep well-being today um what it is why we need it and how we can build it and what you have been studying and researching deep well-being I would say deep 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 deep, deep well-being um for the last 10 10 years um what is it and why do we need it yeah that's as you alluded to it's a massive topic and you know I came into the research around well-being wanting to understand how do we optimize our well-being and you know initially um my research was in elite sport and looking at elite athlete well-being and really the conclusion of my study there was that well-being is a platform for performance yeah like there's no way around the fact that if you want to perform optimally over the long term you need a base of well-being mm. and often i found that well-being and performance were treated separately or often short-term performance goals were um being prioritized at the expense of well-being it was almost like it wasn't either or mm. but that as I dug into the research really turned out to be a false um, dichotomy that it's it's not well-being or performance it's really if you want to get the best out of yourself over the long term you want to thrive in life then a base of of what I call deep well-being is what's required for that um, and so when I say deep well-being um as you know, we've we've got the Innate app, um, and the model that um, I've come to with the Innate app is um, eight pillars of well-being, and that's why we're called Innate. Um, but it's really looking at all the research from psychology and psychophysiology and um, various fields of human flourishing to um, to really understand. What does it take to optimize our well-being, and what does well-being even mean? And um, often we can look at it like it's physical, or it's mental, or it's this, or it's that. But it's really a combination of it all. Mm. And so these eight um, pillars, I think, are um, what I've come to understand anyway is if we can understand ourselves and optimize for ourselves, 
these eight eight pillars of well-being, then that's what it means to have deep well-being. Um, but it's not like an arrival point. It's not something that you just achieve and now I've got it. I've got my <laughs> deep well-being. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a process um, and it's an ongoing process. So I kind of want to frame the conversation today by saying it's understanding yourself and what works for you in these eight areas, mm. but it's an ongoing process of living that out. In the same way as physical fitness, you don't just have fitness and be like, oh, cool, I've got it. I never need to think about it again. Like yeah. you show up each day or, you know, several days a week to continually invest in, in building your fitness and maintaining your fitness. And, you know, I'd love um, for us and I'd definitely encourage anyone to think of well-being in the same way that it's an ongoing process, just like you build fitness, you can build well-being and continually doing that is a great platform um, for you to flourish in life. Yeah. And I mean, after the last two years of challenges and disruption, like unprecedented disruption, I feel like there's never been a better time to take a deep dive on what well-being means to each individual. And I mean, since I, I started using Innate, just finding out what my strengths were especially have been so crucial. Tell, tell us why finding out, like being aware of these eight pillars that you talk about mm. um, and the eight dimensions of well-being. why do you think that that's so crucial Yeah, to um, be aware of those things? It's, it's crucial because really, you know, it's, um, science has shown that if you are going well in these areas, then it's a buffer against the challenges that you are going to experience in life so um for example you know if people with high levels of well-being are 27 times more likely to recover if they experience mental illness mm. and so i just want to let that sink in for a second that you know there are challenges in life things can happen and, and you know any one of us can you know experience mental illness or or, or um challenges at various times but if you have a strong platform of well-being to begin with, you're that much more likely to bounce back and, and, and get back to, to flourishing from, from, you know, moving through that challenge. And so the people who are most likely to experience a mental illness in the future are not the people who currently are experiencing symptoms of mental illness. Mm. They are people who are currently experiencing low levels of well-being with no mental illness so again a risk factor for developing mental illness in the future is having low well-being mm. and the most protective thing is building our well-being and so you know that's why it's so important to understand for ourselves what what gives us well-being and and what um what can we do regularly in order to build that buffer so that we are more resilient, we're better able to navigate the challenges of life and, um, you know, we can, we can bounce back um, better. So, you know, that's, that's really the context that this lives in. And it's really, um, I just think it's so important that we, we build this buffer because as the last couple of years have shown, you know, um, we can't control what happens in life and you know there are challenges uncertainty um there's been isolation there's mm. been all these factors that have gone into the equation that are outside of our control 
but what we can control is what's within us yeah. and how we invest in that. Mm. So how can people be proactive in, in building their well-being? Yeah, um, and there's a lot of answers to that. So I'll just sort of step back for a second and just touch on the, the eight pillars. Yeah. So I think it's understanding and optimizing each of these eight pillars for you. And it's recognizing that you're a unique individual. Mm. And so what that looks like for you is going to be different to what that looks like <laughs> for me. Um, and that's really, you know, what where I think the greatest opportunity is in the well-being space is for it to be personalized and mm. for it to be about self-awareness and self-understanding so that as individuals we know ourselves better so that we can then make better decisions about what's going to work well for us so with those eight areas so there's your strengths there's your values there's mindset there's purpose there's emotions there's health there's your breath and then there's your needs and under each of those pillars there's there's various things to contribute but it's understanding yourself and what works for you in each of those um so we, we can double click under those um, about how to, if yeah. you like. Yeah, yeah, um, let's do that. But let's, let's kick off with strengths because you mentioned um, that knowing your strengths has been helpful. Yeah, Tell yeah, us I did the strengths that. one. Um, I loved doing this because it was so empowering to, I mean, I already knew vaguely what my strengths were, but also it's really empowering and really encouraging to actually find out what your strengths are. Um, and going through this process was like, oh, yeah, I kind of knew that about myself, but it's really affirming um, to know that when you're working in your strengths as well. Mm. Um, so what are will I go three? through mine? Well, yeah, tell us your top. <laughs> uh, keep going through difficulty. That was the first one. Um, connect deeply and from the heart. I'm an, emo I'm an emotional being. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um guilty and then act with kindness and care which was awesome kind yeah of your app to say that about <laughs> me. um but yeah like I, I was like oh that's that's really um affirming and and it makes you want to it made me want to go deeper in those things in those mm. strengths that like they're already um like deeply embedded mm within you somewhere and then it made me want to be even better yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those awesome. things, if that makes sense oh, yeah and that's that's great that um anyone listening who has followed your journey i think will agree that those are good descriptors of you um and that's the beauty of strengths is that we are all um, unique in in the strengths that are most us and so just to define strengths strengths are qualities that are inherently positive mm. so the, the the best qualities about you that help you to be at your best mm. um, so you tend to perform well in them and you find them important as well yeah. you know so you know being acting with kindness and care is important to you and um, keeping going through difficulties is important to you but it's also something you're really good at and something that when you do you kind of get energy back from it that's mm. one of the great um, features of, of a root of a, a core strength and the research is really clear about strengths that when we understand our strengths and we use our strengths, we're far more likely to flourish in life. So we're actually more likely to have high levels of 
um, overall well-being mm. when we understand and use our strengths. So there was um, one study that showed that um, workers who have a, a high awareness of their strengths are nine times more likely to be flourishing. Wow. And workers who use their strengths every day at work are 18 times more likely to be flourishing. Wow. So it's like one of the easiest things we can do is get this awareness of ourselves at our best and what qualities help us to, to be that person and find ways to use them more often. Yeah. And everyone benefits from that, right? Because you you benefit from from utilizing those strengths. You really feel like you're being your yourself. You feel authentic. Mm. Um, you perform better. You get energy back. And because you're showing up at your best, the people and the you know the things you care about benefit as well. Yeah. What were your top three? My top three uh, were share one, connect deeply and from the heart. Right. I, I saw that on yours. That was yeah second there. Yeah. Um, how people make sense of things and stay positive and expect the best yeah you're nodding i see that yeah okay cool I see that, that. every time good. i'm negative at training you stay positive and see the best <laughs> <laughs> that was uh bottom of <laughs> bottom of my list it actually didn't even feature on my list you know this um, is this is something so, everyone does right and this actually reveals something really important no, about our okay. brains right <laughs> Is that use me as an example when people when people look at their strengths they go what am i bad at let me go to the <laughs> bottom or let me look at what's missing and that's they that's want how to know we, their weaknesses yeah and that's how we've been conditioned to think you mm. know we've been taught that the way to get better is to find out your weaknesses and to fix them mm. and the science is clear that that's not the best way to improve yeah the best way to improve is to understand and optimize your strengths right whilst you know still being aware of what you can do better but often the way to improve your weaknesses is through your strengths yeah so for you keep going through difficulty connect deeply and from the heart and act with kindness and care you can use those things to help you address any weakness you mm. know? um and so what we often do though is we identify ourselves with what we're not or what we lack and that creates, that just feeds the inner critic, you know, to be more self-critical and and um, hold us back from being who we could be. Yeah. And so one of the main things with strengths is to really understand that these are positive qualities that help you to be who you are and that own them, mm. you know, like yeah. feel good about them, use them because that's going to, um, that's going to help you shop at your best more often. Yeah, great. How about values? What did you get for that? Yeah, so um, values. This is very, very, deep <laughs> very <and> personal. <laughs> um, and that's the, what that, do you value? And that's the thing, right? Is that you know when we look at well-being in this way, it's not about like your answer to values is going to be different to my answer to values, mm -hmm. and so your pathway to optimizing that area of your well-being is mm. different to mine. Yeah. Um, so mine were hope, well-being, authenticity, and wisdom. Yeah. Um, and these are, you know, values are principles that matter most to you. So they're the, the things that are really worth organizing your life around and organizing your time and energy around. Um, they can be like a steering wheel to help you make decisions. Mm. And when you act in alignment with your values, again, science shows us that your well-being benefits, that you feel like your life is more purposeful and you also feel like you're, um, you're on the right track. Yeah, you know, being authentic and so um 
there is a slight difference between strengths and values that we can talk about, but values really are about what actually matters most to you. Um, yeah. So what were yours? Mine were love, courage, authenticity, and connection, cool. which made a lot of sense to me. And I love what you said about um, them being a steering wheel to help you make decisions because it, this is, you know, it's so true um, in that when you're trying to make a difficult decision, if you just go back to what actually matters most to you, then it shouldn't be difficult anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it, the things things become a lot clearer, yeah. at least. And you're able to prioritize things more in terms of, okay, is this love? Is this showing courage? Is this being authentic? Is this being my most authentic self by mm. going in this direction? Mm. And um, does this involve connection? Um, which is one of my values. Does this involve connecting deeply with other people? Um, and so, yeah, mm, cool. that's, that's what I loved about the values piece as yeah. well. Yeah, and the beauty of this is that with when you know your values like that, you can you can make decisions. Well, you'll you'll be pretty clear about times when you feel like oh, I just don't feel like satisfied with mm. how life's been lately or I, I just something doesn't feel right chances are that one of these is not really being honored you know so there's not enough connection or you're not acting out of love or you're mm. not being authentic or anything like that so it's just a great way to stay on the right track for you yeah um, but it's so individual you know um, and like as you alluded to when you knowing your values is important living them is the most important thing but it's not always easy mm. you know and it's often it's often quite difficult to live your values you know being authentic you know it's not always the easiest option sometimes yeah. it's easier not to be yeah. but you're going to feel better in the long run and you're going to feel like your life's more congruent if you choose that over um what might be easier in the moment mm. so, um what next emotions emotion we can go to emotions if you want to we want to go to emotions um <laughs> what is it what does it mean to optimize emotion okay so emotion is we, we all obviously <laughs> understand and i think associate emotions with well-being a lot mm. you know like how am i feeling mm. and um it's a, it's a big subject. You know that little fun fact is that scientists still don't actually agree what emotions are. Hmm. Um, so it's actually a really complicated area, but let's, let's keep it practical. Um, optimizing emotion, really, the way I look at it is um, understanding what you're feeling. So being able to accurately um, label what you're feeling. There's really good science around that process by itself, like hmm. literally just labeling putting a word to what you're feeling mm. is helpful um, and is a core component of emotional um, well-being mm -hmm. and even emotional intelligence and so um, step one is like can you actually identify what you're feeling and getting good at that making it a practice of checking in with yourself and, mm. and labeling that um, so awareness is with almost anything to do with well-being um, and improvement um, awareness is number one and that's the emotional awareness is, is being able to label what you're feeling um, beyond that it's knowing what builds let's call it positive and um, 
let's call them positive emotions and let's call them instead of negative emotions let's call them difficult emotions mm -hmm. because they're not always negative they're sometimes just difficult mm -hmm. um it's knowing what where positive emotion comes from for you so what brings you joy what activities what um what things in your life actually give you positive emotions and if you understand those you can do more of them you know so knowing knowing where that comes from is really helpful there's really strong research to support the fact that actively adding more positive emotion to your life like doing things that you enjoy and and even processes like savoring yeah. so like just taking an extra moment or two to to sit in a positive emotion or bring bring back um, the feeling of a positive emotion that is really helpful for our overall well-being and it helps us to be more resilient and so positive emotions are great we want to uh, experience more of them but it's not just about um, feeling positive all the time. Mm. And that's why, you know, all emotions are really relevant and important. So it's the more difficult emotions, it's being able to accurately label them as well and notice like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling some shame or I'm feeling um, frustrated or I'm feeling anger. Mm. And then it's like, oh, why? And then when you can accurately label that, you're creating space between you and the emotion. And when you have that space, you're able to not be ruled by the emotion. You're actually able to understand it and go, oh, I'm feeling angry because that was unjust, that yeah. situation. And that's, you know, justice is important to me. So that makes sense. And I'm going to feel angry about that. Mm. But it doesn't mean you have to act on the anger. It means yeah. you can be curious about it, understand it create space for it and then choose to act based on your values mm. and that's the the crux of um what's called emotional agility mm -hmm. so creating that space being accurate about it but then choosing actions that line up with the person you want to be rather than being hijacked or ruled by your emotion wow huge sorry we no, dropped but... a few emotion bombs there <laughs> We're just, we opened up cans of worms so we could go down many rabbit holes but I think that's so, that's so, um, I don't know, that's so important to know though, to, to be able to create space and name what you're feeling. It does, it lifts, it gets the monkey off the back, you know, because yeah. otherwise that whatever you're feeling can almost be, bring a little bit of confusion as well, because you're just not, unless you can name it, you're just not sure what you're quite feeling. You just feel uncomfortable mm. and it can weigh you down until finally you either crack or behave in a way that's just not aligned with your values. Totally. Um, but if, yeah, if you're, you're right, if you can name it, create space between it and go, it's okay that I'm feeling like this and it's very normal mm. because that's, um, it's aligned with, you know, what riles me up mm. as a person, yeah, like yeah. injustice riles me up. Yeah. So it would be very natural that, I'd be angry about that. What am I going to do about it? Here is, you know, yeah. the, here's the best thing to get an outcome or to make a difference here yeah. or to make a change to this injustice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that space means you're in the driver's seat. Mm. You know, you're able to go, oh, yeah, I can see what I'm feeling. I understand it. I can honour that, you know. And yeah. like it's, you know, self-compassion is really all about being like enabling yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and, and um, validating that experience but it doesn't mean that that experience has to hijack 
what you do as you alluded to you know like it's you know you can still choose how you behave yeah um, and that's where the power is mm. um, to behave in a way that we're proud of yeah um so much uh of the i guess the innate journey that i've been on has been about becoming really self-aware of around um who i am and Mm. who i am as a person and yeah what um what i value what my strengths are um where my mind goes in challenges Mm. naturally what my purpose is um yeah where where my emotions go in in various difficulties and but the ongoing thing is um is like what are the what do you want to achieve what's what's up next and that's Mm. what I love about it as well as an ambitious athlete like I love that it gives me the opportunity to check in each day um and to have like short term what do I want to achieve today um what does well-being look like to me today Mm. and um but also all of like, this is a day that I've got to use um, on the way to something bigger. Yeah. And so can we talk about that? Like I love um, that aspect as well. So you've got this, the short term and the long term embedded into, into the one, I don't want to call it program because it's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a lifestyle that you, you start to live because you become more self-aware about yeah everything that's cool and um i think what you're alluding to there is that idea that it's a process yeah. not a destination and mm-hmm. i think you know um purpose is so important in life and every one of us has uh, unique you know sources of purpose mm. and you know it's this process of of deepening that understanding of like yeah what really what feels most purposeful to me or where does meaning come from um, for me and what vision of the future do, am I inspired to really work towards? So um, as you've, you know, set that vision of the future of like, yeah, these are the components that are really important, that are purposeful, that are worth working hard toward and consistently working toward. Once you've got that, then it's breaking it back down to like, what can I do today? that's going to move me in that meaningful direction that what, what do I need to prioritize Mm. or, you know, and what sort of person do I want to be today Mm. as I do that? And I think when you can line up your daily actions and the kind of character, you know, the, the um, type of person that you are that day, when you can line that up with the future that you want, then suddenly you can consistently move, in a meaningful direction mm. um, and so much of our experience of um, what we feel as well-being comes from that it comes from knowing that what I did today mattered and moved me in a meaningful direction yeah and I can feel satisfied by that sense of progress yeah I love that um, we've talked about strengths values purpose emotions can we talk about breath for a minute? Like you are the master of breathing. <laughs> You've run a marathon purely with your mouth shut, just breathing through your nose. The only marathon that you've run. <laughs> One and only. <laughs> Which would scare the absolute life out of most people, to be honest. Um, I had to keep looking back to make sure you're still alive. <laughs> just kidding. Um, 
course you were because you always do it. I've realized in the last probably 18 months how much of a gift our mm. breath is <laughs> actually just the ability to control our breath and being able to do that um, and have control over that and um, how much that how much calm that can bring and how much clarity that can bring by really focusing on your breath um, in all situations when Sonny's having a tantrum yeah. um, when things are really high stress or high pressure when I'm packing to go overseas and you know Indy's <laughs> crying you know anything mm. at home or um, any high stress situation I feel like the breath is just it's almost like I've had this new revelation of like how much of a gift breathing is. And, um, but tell us about it. Why is yeah. it such a gift? You um, studied it. Yeah. Look, I, it's a huge topic and it's, it's so easy to underestimate, you know, mm-hmm. we just, it's the natural thing is to assume because it happens automatically that we're doing it well or right or good enough. Mm. And that, yeah, we're all breathing and and we've all heard the advice about, you know, take a deep breath and we can do that. And it's actually just so much more than that. And um, to kind of make this quite succinct, because like I could talk for hours about the topic, as you know, um, our breathing is the most accessible tool that we have in any given moment Mm. in order to influence our state, how we think, how we feel. And I would argue that nothing has a bigger influence on how we feel than how we're breathing. And to illustrate that point, if you think about the extremes, you think about a panic attack. Mm. A panic attack is by definition when you feel like you can't Mm. breathe. You feel like you can't get enough air in and you start hyperventilating, you breathe faster and faster, and then eventually you feel like, I'm going to die because Mm. I can't breathe, right? Mm that's about as bad as a person can feel Mm. and it's caused by the breath and in the same way when you think about when you feel really good and you feel calm you feel um positive emotion you can actually measure this um using heart rate variability you can measure these patterns your breathing is slow and even and and smooth and rhythmic Mm. right it's almost the complete other end of the spectrum to to panic attack breathing Mm -hmm. and that is the role that the breath has on how we feel in any given moment and in different situations we can use our breathing differently to help us to be how we want to be in that situation so you used a good example of like when there's stress around at home or you know like there's um things just aren't going to plan or those short-term stresses are occurring the breath is the first tool that we can go to in order to create the space that we we're talking about before with emotion, mm. create the space to choose how we want to respond and create the space to actually shift how we're feeling and not just like subjectively how we're feeling, but whether we actually go into a full on fight or flight stress response mm. or whether we go the other way into the kind of um, rest and digest sort of responses as it's called we can influence that with that breath yeah like in the moment and it's such a powerful tool to be able to do that and so if you're able to breathe well in any situation 
then you're going to have a better experience of that situation and you're going to find it easier to act the way you want to act in, in any situation. But it, it takes training. Like yeah. it, it's like anything else. The more you practice, the more you, um, the more aware you are about um, how your breath, your breath is changing in different contexts and, and um, where it feels good and where it doesn't. And, the more skilled you become at utilizing it to either find calm in stressful situations or use it to even um, switch on and, and activate some energy. Or I know you've used it, uh, I think you talked before about using it um, on the way to a marathon to sort of be focused, but relaxed, mm. you know, that sweet spot between ready to go, but also um, calm and composed. Yeah. Um, you can use it in subtle ways to, um, influence your state yeah and therefore influence how you're able to respond so um i think all i want to say to people about the breath is to not underestimate the fact that it's a skill set a skill set that you can develop and when you utilize it well um then i think you like what you said before about it's been a bit of a revelation to go oh hold on like it's such a mm. gift in any situation to be able to call on it yeah because I mean even in like hard workouts that we have I remember we had one particular workout in, yeah. in um, the build-up towards the Nagoya marathon and I was just breathing really really heavily for no reason whatsoever because I wasn't the effort I think I was on the third or fourth rep of five times 4k mm. and my effort wasn't anymore. It didn't feel any harder, except I just started to think, uh, I started to think, a little, I started to unravel a little bit in my head of like, oh, what, what if I can't finish this? Or what if I don't do hit the splits in the times that I want? And I started to just automatically with those thoughts, start breathing harder, which made it feel harder mm. than it was. Yeah. And I, Johnny was there and he's like, how come you're breathing so hard? Because <laughs> he's obviously watched me run a lot and knows how I should be breathing. And, um, you know, and then it just made me think, is this, what is my perception of pain here? Yeah. And, um, and I just slowed down my breathing and it changed the perception of pain. Yeah. So it changed the perception of it being going from panting and this is really really hard like I can't do this to like calm breath yeah. <laughs> um and it I reckon I went from a nine out of ten like you know perception of effort to about a five yeah. which is about where I should have been at that point of the workout mm. um a five or a six and I was able to maintain that five or six for the rest of the workout and finish off really strong but I really had to focus on keeping my breath really, really calm um, so that I didn't go back into that direction of um, panic stations yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember after that run, actually, I was, I was explaining to you that the amygdala, so the part of the brain that sort of helps us to detect threats mm. and, you know, like trigger, you know, fear response is very um has a very direct influence on your breathing so if you start breathing faster 
then your amygdala is going to fire up a little bit and vice versa. If you start feeling like, you know, there's something to fear, your breathing is going to speed up and, and respond to that. So you can use your breathing in the way that you did there to quieten down, you know, the part of the brain that is, it is um, wanting to just keep you safe wanting to go, hold on, there's a threat here. Let's, Mm. let's slow down yeah. <laughs> or get out of the situation or this isn't good this mm. is dangerous you can switch it to like no nah, this is good yeah I feel good this yeah is- and that's what I kept thinking like I'm I went back to that meme you know that meme where there's that little character and there's all fire around and it says I'm fine I'm yeah. fine <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept saying I'm fine this is fine yeah <laughs> I'm fine um and I was fine like it was hard and the training's meant to be hard. Yeah. And so I think as athletes, you can kind of, you can kind of get rock up sometimes to training or to a race thinking, oh, this is, this should feel this way. Yeah. And then when it doesn't, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. And then that can be a bit rattling and yeah. you have to come back to, um, no, am I here to like put it, give everything to this and like, be and embrace however this feels even if it's painful um or am I here to like feel good the whole way yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like um so yeah and my breathing was able to help me kind of get back to that space of this is hard but I'm capable of doing it yeah yeah awesome and I think that link between breath and self-talk is so strong because what I see a lot obviously my um my main coaching is in mental skills and and psychology. And so a lot of the time it's talking about, you know, self-talk It is exceptionally difficult to self-talk your way into changing how you feel. If your breathing is not speaking the same language, (laughs) you know, so if your breathing's panicked and you're like trying to self-talk your way into feeling calm, that's probably not going to work. But if you can get your body through your breath, to work for you and your mind and to work for you yeah. then they meet in the middle and yeah. it all makes sense so um yeah it's it's something i see a lot is that you know like we we try to speak to ourselves in a helpful way and we have the best intentions with that but it doesn't seem to um be heard by the body if our breath doesn't also um share the same message yeah thanks for tuning in so far I just want to take a quick little break to bring a message from episode sponsor, Earshots. Lock on, stay on, and play on with Earshots wireless earphones. They have you covered for staying motivated and focused while you train. Their patented magnetic ear clip means you can push your limits without being distracted by annoying cords or earbuds that fall out. You can head over to earshots.com and use the code right 10 that's capitals R-I-G-H-T-1-0, for 10% off your purchase. You can also find the discount link in the show notes. The last probably three or four years of my career, I've probably worked on my mindset more than ever. Um, and I think it's been crucial to be able to um, navigate not only the last two years of like the world you know having going through a pandemic but mm. also in navigating all those challenges of being an athlete but also being human mm. um, and yeah I just think it's helped me 
focusing on my mindset and becoming more self-aware has definitely helped me become a better athlete Mm. Um, and enjoy what I'm doing so much more as well. Because now, like you were saying before, I used to look at my weaknesses, like really focus on my weaknesses. But now I kind of see them, um, see my weaknesses as, um, you know, why I have my strengths Mm. (laughs) almost um, and why my strengths are my strengths. And yeah, I am almost able to like just really enjoy that you know, part of who I am rather than, you know, forever going, oh, I need to like really need to work on these weaknesses. Um, I can get into flow by really just being who I am in in my strengths. Mm. And um, it's not like totally disregarding your weaknesses. It's just accepting them and going, I think if I keep working on my strengths, my weaknesses are going to come up as well like yeah. my weaknesses are going to come up to a level that are acceptable yeah, and totally. that that don't necessarily look like weaknesses anymore yeah 100 percent. and you know our minds are our greatest asset mm. if we train them yeah you know and um it like anything it takes training um and it can be different mental skills can be honed and improved and utilized mm. in ways that really work for you um and so, you know, you touched on flow. Flow is one of the, the uh, was probably the most optimal state that we can be in. Um, and our mental skills can help us to experience flow more often because flow comes from deep focus in the present moment and usually on something that is challenging. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, another mental skill that helps us to do that is the ability to embrace challenges mm. as opportunities rather than see them as threats. Yeah um and you know the ability to to see see those challenges and even see failure through the lens of a growth mindset which is all about how can i learn how can i grow how can i improve Mm. as opposed to i'm defined by this outcome i'm defined by this result or if i fail that is a reflection on something that's fundamental about me that i can't change you know that's that's what a fixed mindset is yeah. uh, whereas a growth mindset is the belief that you can always improve mm. and grow and that failure is feedback yes and I so much wish that I had learned that earlier <laughs> in my career but it's why I'm so passionate about it and I know that why you know you're so passionate about it and why we you know we get have the privilege of being able to um, you know, educate and teach this to, to young people in schools um, because it helps so much to deal with the challenges that come with um, failing or falling short or, you know, having to try mm. for something a second time or um, having to pivot for some reason um, or, you know, not making the team or mm. like whatever it is, Um yeah being being okay with that and like finding a new either a new way or a new direction to go that is going to bring purpose and um and joy to your life yeah absolutely and that you know that's just a taste of of really you know what's possible with training your mind is, Mm. is being able to turn the things that can scare us so much like you know the fear of failure yeah turn that into something that is actually helpful yeah. it's like oh you know what like 
didn't get the outcome I wanted there what can I learn oh cool that will help me be better next Mm. time you know and if the goal is to realize your potential then you have to be pushing up against that ceiling of what's possible right now a lot and that's going to mean that you experience what we call failure a lot you're going to go oh yeah that was the limit today and that didn't quite go right but I put myself in a space to grow Mm. and celebrating that and you know extracting the learning from that and and moving forward better for it is really the essence of, of what it means to live with a growth mindset what would you say to someone uh that's fallen short so much that they don't know how to succeed or they're afraid of success now like they're in this space of failing time and time again that you know they don't know how to they're afraid of going to that extra that that next level of success yeah I'm I think with anything like that we've got a question like our beliefs about it like Mm -hmm. what is it that I'm telling myself Mm -hmm. that is holding me back or what am I afraid of that you know here that that could be holding me back because understanding the fear is what is going to kind of help illuminate the path forward Mm -hmm. um but the chances are in that situation it would be something like what if I try really hard and that effort isn't enough what will other people think of me Mm. what will I think of myself if my best is revealed as not being quote unquote enough enough? Mm. um and that is really the definition of a fixed mindset the fixed mindset is like oh you've you've either got it or you don't and so it's it's really scary to go and have what you've got be revealed if you feel like it can't be changed yeah but when you question that belief is like, hold on, that's actually not true. Like with effort and consistent, um, consistent, consistently showing up, I can improve, I can grow. Mm. Then I can reveal everything I've got on the day. And regardless of what that leads to, I can be better for it. And tomorrow or next week or next year, you know, the outcome might be different um, from doing that. And so it's embracing that process as where so much of the joy is Mm. as opposed to seeing you know failure as this final outcome that defines who you are yeah great um let's touch on needs what are needs in the needs are one of the eight dimensions the eight pillars that you spoke about of well-being deep well-being um how why are they important so needs is probably the aspect um, of our model that people probably tend to overlook the most mm. needs and breath I'd say are the ones that kind of get missed out of the well-being conversation a lot mm-hmm. um, but as human beings part of what makes us part of what gives us this common humanity is that we all have the same needs mm. you know and so we all have the need for security we need to feel safe and and like the world is, is stable and we, we can, um, to some extent, know what to expect. We feel secure. Um, we need connection. Mm. We need, you know, relationships with other people. We're wired for that. And it's, you know, so essential to our well-being to mm. have positive and meaningful connections. But we also need um, mastery, a sense of like competence and a sense of 
being capable in the world, you know, and, and doing things that give us that sense of mastery. Um, and we also need some autonomy, like yeah. to feel like we are steering the ship, so mm. to speak, you know, we're calling the shots in our own life, that we're living life on our own terms. Um, so those are some of the needs that really have a, a huge influence on our experience of life mm. and our sense of well-being. And, um, you know, just knowing where you're at in those and, and kind of keeping tabs on how you're going in those can help you to optimize your well-being and, and meet, make sure that you're actually meeting your own needs and you're helping other people to meet their needs um, so that, you know, we can really um, improve well-being of ourselves and the people around us. Yeah. Where the last one is health. Talk to me about health and why it's important to well-being. And so health is probably the one that we're most aware of, you know, right. um, <laughs> yeah. when we think of well-being, we think of, you know, um, what we do for our health or wellness. It's, you know, the physical, physical health is something that we're all um, often tracking, you know, we're wearing a watch or we're counting our steps or yeah. tracking all of that. And it's, it's valuable to do that. Um, you know, physical health plays a um a significant role in our overall sense of well-being yeah um it's quite interesting to note that one of the best treatments for depression is physical exercise and um you know people's physical health has a, a large bearing on psychological health and so you know i think the key idea with this one is just to acknowledge the fact that the mind and body are not separate and so when it comes to our overall well-being or what I call deep well-being, you know, the physical components, so nutrition, exercise, um, your sense of energy, your heart rate variability, which we talk about as a, as a metric of um, a marker of your nervous system health, um, these are all contributors to how your physical health is um, or give you feedback about how your physical health is going. Mm. And then it's really the idea here is to act in ways or make choices that support your physical health that yeah. work for you. You know, like there's no such thing as a healthy diet. Yeah. <laughs> there's like what's healthy for you right now. Yeah. Um, and so it's very individual and, and just connecting, you know, your things that are good for you physically um, it's realizing that that's going to influence how you think and how you feel. I think what I'd say just to finish is that, you know, when it comes to deep well-being, there's really like no hacks. <laughs> there's mm. no like fast track or shortcut. It's about you and understanding yourself and what works for you. And, and I think you put it really well earlier, Alzi, about it's a lifestyle, you know, it's, mm. it's choosing to live in a way that supports you to develop a deep understanding of yourself and deep well-being so that you can flat out flourish in life yeah. and also be better prepared for any of the challenges that that life might present well thanks Rory uh that was so insightful we hope that you got a lot out of that and have a better understanding of what it means to have a deep well-being um we believe that everyone deserves to experience deep well-being and that um, you know every human being has a unique path of deep well-being available to them and you know I've been on the innate journey I would encourage you to be on the innate journey um, it's on the innate app is now up on the apple site yeah on the app on a, yep great 
Um, so go ahead and download the app, the Innate app, um, and get on your wellbeing journey.